The analogy between Rome and America is long-standing, but the thing that is interesting these days is that people tend to make that analogy when something's going wrong. Can advice from ancient Rome redeem the current political scene in the United States? Dirk Ippenfellow Michelle Lowry discusses this anomalous yet timely question in a review of Philip Freeman's translations of the works of the brothers Cicero. Philip Freeman wrote these really marvelous translations of two ancient works. One is an actual translation of an existing work, uh, which is attributed to Quintus Tullius Cicero, who's uh, Cicero's brother. And in Latin, it has an off-putting title, this pamphlet. Um, it's called the Commentariolum Petitiones, which is the little commentary on electioneering. And Philip Friedman decided to translate this in a much more snappy way. He calls it How to Win an Election, an Ancient Guide for Modern Politicians. So it was clearly successful because uh, the following year, he uh, published another uh, small book, uh, which consists of selections from the famous Cicero's work. So this is Marcus Tullius um, Cicero. And, and so what Philip Friedman did was to go in and pull out bits that he thought were relevant today. And he, the title of this is How to Run a Country, um, an Ancient Guide for Modern Leaders. One of the things that's really interesting about this particular election is that it's throwing a lot of people's assumptions out the window. This is a, uh, a campaign that doesn't begin to be over. Uh, it's uh, broken all the rules of history so far, and I have a feeling it's going to break a few more before we're finished. So in uh, How to Win an Election, Quintus emphasizes having the right connections. I mean, ancient Rome was much less abashed than we are about, about the importance of networking, and that is really emphasized. Nevertheless, that's not the only thing that's important. So uh, on the one hand, he emphasizes that you've got to know the right people and get the right support. On the other hand, he emphasizes that sincerity and integrity are, are really important considerations. The way things are playing out today, Quintus would diagnose, you know, Clinton as having, Hillary Clinton, as having an integrity problem. You've talked a lot about the donations Hillary Clinton receives from the financial service sector in the most recent debate. She called that an artful smear. What's your response to that? It's a fact. Wall Street speeches, I think those are legitimate. The New York Times, even the editorial board of the New York Times called on Hillary Clinton to release her speeches before Goldman Sachs and other corporate entities. I think those are re legitimate issues. Her problem is not wealth, it's sincerity. We have a long history of wealthy Americans whom people felt cared about the poor. He would say that Trump and Sanders, uh, in their different ways, uh, are having problems you know, mobilizing the establishment and that this is a challenge uh, really you know, for, for all of the candidates to you know to bring all this material together. Trump has tapped into something in a way the same thing that Bernie Sanders has tapped into. In both parties you've got somebody tapping into this anti-establishment, this anger again, this frustration. I think it's hilarious because Cruz, uh, Ted Cruz has has problems with both uh, <laughs> a perception of sincerity, integrity, and getting the establishment to back him. The establishment's problem is not just Donald Trump, it's Ted Cruz. Other aspects that are that are relevant are are mobilizing the youth, and he would appreciate that you know Sanders has done a, a particularly good job with that. We have received more votes from people under 30 than Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump combined. He 
thinks having a lot of energy is very important. And so uh, Trump's charge um, against Jeb Bush, you know, that he was low energy. More energy tonight, I like oh. that. Is something that Quintus would probably say was a, a good way of getting at him. And I think it stuck, you know, in, in Jeb's case, particularly because of the exclamation point. There was kind of irony there that that he didn't quite live up to his, um, his exclamation point. In the center of the stage tonight, Businessman Donald Trump. One of the things that's interesting about Trump is that he has been analyzed in the media in Roman terms. So he has been called a Caligula, he's been called a Caesarist. With Caligula, he's the model of the politician who's, who's really gone crazy. With Caesarist, it's a different model, and there, that's the model of the person who really rallies the people and brings together their anger so as to overthrow the status quo. All of these establishment figures finally coming out against Donald Trump, that is like gravy on a potatoes for his supporters. They're like, yes, they, sure. they, they want him to be hated in Washington. They want him to be hated by the establishment. One of my favorite quotes from Quintus's treatise on how to win an election is this. It would take miraculous ability, renown, and accomplishments to win over voters without taking the time to talk to them. A lazy scoundrel, unwilling to work for supporters, lacking intelligence, having a poor reputation, and possessing no friends, cannot possibly beat a man backed by many and admired by all unless something goes horribly wrong. I think this is funny because it sounds a lot like the way the media is presenting Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not articulate, he's not poised, he's not informed. Unfortunately, um, Quintus doesn't really tell us uh, what to do in the absence of an admirable candidate with widespread support. And I think this is a problem that the Republican Party is having. Represent the party or demolish the party and start anew. I mean, is that is that what a Trump uh, nomination well, the or presidency of the, does? the analogy between Rome and America is, is longstanding. But the thing that is interesting these days is that people uh, tend to make that analogy when something's going wrong. So in the wake of the, well, at the beginning, rather, of the Iraq War um, in 2004, the comparison between the United States and the Roman Empire was all over in the newspapers. Nowadays, the Republican debates have been called gladiatorial shows. You know, I've seen that in the voices of many, many different uh, commentators. Ben Carson has responded to the Donald Trump New Day interview, telling the Washington Post, quote, I don't want to get into a gladiator fight with Donald Trump. There are less obvious Roman references uh, Civil War, for instance, uh, is a Roman category. Bellum Kiwile originally meant formal warfare among citizens, and it's undergone a, a metaphorical extension. So now it, it's being used very frequently of the political or social collapse of the collapse of institutions. So it's become a regular metaphor now for what's going on uh, within the Republican Party. It started a civil war in the party. It had been building for a few days, but last night, certainly on this air, we really saw it. Marco Rubio said, Trump gets the nomination, it'll destroy the Republican mm -hmm. Party, it will split it. This is serious stuff and uncharted territory. These days, uh, people are emphasizing the negative model of Rome. So historically, Rome provides two models, and I'm oversimplifying here. There's the good republic, which is the model on which 
the American Constitution was formed. So we have in the United States what ancient political theorists would call a mixed constitution. There's the executive branch, there's the legislative branch, and there's popular participation. And these these respond to kingly power, to the role of the Senate in particular, uh, responds to uh, what the ancients would call oligarchy, and the existence of, of voting represents popular power. So you have aspects of kingship, oligarchy, and democracy mixed together. And uh, Republican Rome was the ancient model for this. That's the good republic. Unfortunately, the good republic collapsed in civil war, and it was replaced by the empire, which although it was a very stable political form, in the imagination, so in the political imaginary of, of the Western world, the empire is understood to be decadent. So in the past uh, several years, there have been a number of books comparing America to Rome. Um, a man named Colin Murphy uh, wrote um, a book called Are We Rome? He has no parallels between America and the Republic. The parallels are all between America uh, and the empire. So these days, you're in trouble uh, because uh, you typically get these analogies as a way of saying that something has gone wrong, that the Republic is turning into a corrupt empire. Folks, I want to make America great again. We want to get down to brass tacks. We don't want to listen to his stuff with being politically correct and everything has... We have a lot of work to do. You know, I think most people know exactly what New York values are. You will not find that I ever changed a view or a vote because of any donation that I ever received. Philip Friedman's books raise the question of whether looking back to the Roman Republic can redeem the contemporary political scene. And I would say to that, that we can't really separate the ideals and values of a particular political system from the politics that come together with those values. So the danger of looking back to the Roman Republic, where we might admire the commitment to um, natural law, we might admire the divided government, we might admire the motivating virtue, which is to be virtuous, <laughs> uh, is that that system of the division of government came along with certain types of weaknesses that you know, the, it was hard to get legislation passed. Um, so that, that the commitment to virtue, uh, which in Latin means manliness, virtus means manliness, drove politicians to try to amass more and more power so that they could be at the top of the heap. And this eventually drove uh, the republic into civil war. So the point, I think, when we're thinking of the past as a model for the present is that you can't easily separate the values and ideals from the politics. So if we could go back and just take the ideals and then leave aside the politics, that would make things a lot easier. Unfortunately, uh, we have a, a rather disquieting model of a system that devolved into civil war. You've been listening to our Beyond the Lecture series, a podcast brought to you by the American Academy in Berlin. Our producer today is Christina Gonzalez in Berlin. I'm your host, RJ McGill. For more details about the American Academy, please visit our website, americanacademy.de.